You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Now, Luke 24, and uh, again, what a blessing, and um, the Lord is so good, and uh, I'm so excited. We, we got really got something to be excited about today, knowing the Lord, and uh, again, what He's done, and of course, this has been our first service in the new building, or first Sunday in the new building, and I thought it'd be a great time to really magnify the Lord, and really just remind ourselves uh, why we're here, and what we're doing, and I know I've been kind of preaching along those lines, but this is going to really uh, focus on the Lord, uh, is my goal this morning, so So uh, I want to try to preach on this thought on how to keep your heart burning, how to keep your heart burning. Uh, If you've got, if you struggle with heartburn, you may not be interested in that. Uh, But of course, I'm talking about keeping your heart burning spiritually, uh, staying on fire for the Lord. And I'll tell you, God's done some great things in our lives and, and, and that's it. You know, our excitement is a genuine excitement. It's a genuine excitement over what the Lord has done and of what He's doing. And uh, that's one of the reasons God has blessed so much in the time that we have uh, been here in Elk Point. And it's going to be the, one of the reasons He continues. But how do we keep our hearts burning? Because I tell you, there's enough wet blankets around that can try to put those fires out. Uh, we have discouragements and we have uh, struggles and battles. And how do we keep our hearts burning? And so that's the message today, how to keep your heart burning, Luke 24. I want to begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others, certain others with them. Verse 2, And they found the stone rolled away, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And so, of course, this is resurrection morning that we're reading about here. Then when you go over to verse number 13, we're going to skip down. The Bible says, And behold, two of them, talking about two of the disciples, uh, which, remember, we know that there were 12 apostles, but there were many disciples, many followers of the Lord. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. So about seven and a half miles they were on this walk. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus Himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know Him. And He said unto them, What manner of communication are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? So He could just tell by looking at them, man, they were sad, they were struggling, they were having a difficult time. And of course, to give you the context, Jesus had just died three days earlier. They hadn't even heard anything about the resurrection happening yet. So for them, they are disturbed just like many of the other disciples were. But note, the Bible says here in verse 18, And one of them whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he came and said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and rulers... Our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Verse 21, But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. 
And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. So what are you upset about? And they says, have you not heard? Jesus, we thought this man was coming to be the king, but now he's dead. We believe this was the man that was to redeem Israel, but now he is dead and it's been three days. And the Bible says in verse 22, Yea, and certain women also of our company made uh, us astonished, which were early in the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had seen also a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. But apparently they weren't convinced of that. But verse 24, And certain which were there with us went to the sepulcher and found it as the women had said, but they saw him not. Then said he unto them, all fools. I just got to pause right there and say when it comes to Jesus, I'm often told and I hear people say, you know, I just wish you would preach more like Jesus. If you go read some of the things Jesus said and preached, I don't know. I don't think they mean that. I don't think they know what they're talking about when they say that. But he said, oh, fools and slow of heart to believe. And notice this, what they had a problem believing. To believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And listen at this. And beginning at Moses, Genesis 1.1. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets. That's to say the entire Old Testament. He expounded unto them in the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. And they drew nigh to the village, whether they went, and he had made us uh, made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening. And the day is far spent, and he went to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And listen to what they said. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened unto us? Open to us the Scriptures. And so did not our hearts burn within us. So how to keep your heart burning. Let's pray. Father, I thank You so much, dear Lord, for the privilege of being here today. God, I thank You for saving me from the pit of sin. God, and placing me in the pulpit. God, setting my feet upon the solid rock, establishing my goings. I thank You, God, for calling me into the ministry. I thank You for calling me specifically to this place. And I thank you for that, God. And today, may we just take a moment, dear Lord God, to, uh, to think and to reflect and to turn our eyes upon you, to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we'll thank you for that, Lord, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, these people were walking along and they were discouraged. They were disappointed. Uh, they had a confused heart. See, things had not gone the way that they thought they were going to go. Have you ever been there in your life where things aren't going the way you think they ought to go? I'll tell you what's get, what gets even more confusing. When you study the Scripture and you hear the Word of God and... You've got these promises and you're like, okay, God, you said you would provide. You said that you would never leave me nor forsake me, but yet you feel lonely. You say, God, you said you'd provide, but Lord, we're going through a tough time right now. And you, you have these times where you have the Word of God, but it seems like God's not working in your time. See, they were discouraged. Uh, their, their misunderstanding, see, they misunderstood the Scripture. They misunderstood the Savior. 
And I believe that's what we can do a lot of times when we begin to encounter difficult circumstances and trials and temptations and whatever else we may face. Uh, they, their, their misunderstanding led them to disappointment. Their disappointment led them to doubt. And their doubt led them to discouragement. Now, why were they discouraged? Again, look at verse 21. But we trusted that it had been He which should have redeemed Israel. And so they said, we, this is the, we thought this was the king. We were looking for the king, but now our king, rather than having a, sitting on a throne with a golden scepter, for a scepter, he's got nails. For a throne, he's got an old rugged cross. And his kingdom is confined to a dark, lonely tomb. We thought this was going to be he who would sit on the throne of David and who the government would be upon his shoulders. Well, they were right about all that. But you know what? They were wrong about the timing of it. See, with God, timing is a lot more important than time. Timing is far more important to God than time is. In other words, we want God to do something and we wanted to do it now. Lord, you promised you'd do this, so chop, chop, let's get to it. Well, that's not the way God works. You know why? The Bible says that He will cause us to wait because He loves us. Amen? And He's being merciful to us. But they, they were right about this, but they were confused. See, the prophets had prophesied about a kingdom. The poets of the, of the Old Testament had pictured a kingdom. The angels upon Christ's birth and before Christ's birth proclaimed a kingdom. Jesus, while on this earth, preached the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. So again, they were right with what they were anticipating, but folks, they were off on the timing. See, it reminds me of a story I heard about a little boy that his mom was a really good baker and she made really good pies. And he was just a, he was just a little guy and he was excited because he saw that his mother was making a pie. And so she put it in the oven and he didn't see, see what, exactly what she put in, but he could smell it baking. And when she opened up, opened up that oven, she pulled that pie out. And what she was doing was baking the pie crust. She got it out, set it up on the counter, and that little boy kind of climbs up and gets on his tiptoes and looks over to the pie that his mom baked. What kind of pie is that? It was an empty pie shell. And he really thought to himself, what's wrong with mom? What kind of cruel trick is this? Right? Mom's baking pie. What kind of pie is it? Oh, it's a nothing pie. And so literally the kid gets mad, runs out of the house, attempts to run away. He was just a wee little guy, so he didn't get too far before he got scared and came straight back home. And by the time he got home... He was able to see kind of the rest of the story. He was trying to see that his mom wasn't finished yet. <clears throat> so that's our problem a lot of times. We, we, we want the finished product and we want it now. Ooh, look what God's doing. Wait. That's a disappointment. I thought God was going to do something better than that. And that's kind of where these people were at. They're like, what is going on? What kind of cruel joke is this, Lord? And so here they were discouraged. Their disappointment had led them to doubt and discouragement. And, and, and their, their problem, of course, scripturally speaking, was there in verse 25, we emphasized it. But he says, Then said he unto them, O fools, and slow of heart, believe, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He was saying, You're missing something. You've believed some of what the prophets have spoken, but you're slow in heart to believe it all. 
to believe it all. He's challenging them in their faith. Uh, and so, so how is God going to take them from being bummed to burning for Him and having a fire for Him in their hearts? How's He going to change these people from being discouraged to being determined about the things of God? See, we see the discouragement of a confused heart, but then we see the discovery of a challenged heart. Look at verse 15 with me, please, quickly. The Bible says, And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus Himself drew near and went with them. The discovery of a challenged heart. A couple of things I want to say right there. Number one, the Lord sought them. Here they were sad and confused about Him being gone. They're talking about Him being gone. They're talking about where is He at? Where was He? He was on His way. <laughs> he was on His way. And pretty soon, He's walking right with them. And what are they doing during this course of this walk? Oh, we got this. And they're still sad. And they're still down. And they're still discouraged. Let me tell you something. We've got a good God, folks. That's one thing we need to discover about our God is we need to discover some truths about our God, the truth about the love of God, the truth about the power of God, the truth about the wisdom of God, the, the love that He has for us. It lets me know something. My God seeks me. My God seeks you. He has not forsaken you. He will not forsake you. He said, I will, he said, I will not leave you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why? Because He's too good. He's too wise. He's too powerful. But here we are. And we get into these times of doubt. And we get into these times of discouragement. And we get into these times of fear and anxiety. And we're wondering where God's at. Well, one thing I can tell you, I won't say God's on His way because as they were talking, here came Jesus. But isn't it awesome? Jesus did say, oh, fools, you are slow of heart. There was a little bit of a rebuke there and a challenge there. But I want you to understand something. At the heart of what he did was love. He did not come to condemn them. He came to comfort them. He came to lift them up. And I'm so glad that's our God. Our God could just as easily sometimes, with our lack of faith, say, you know what? I think I'm, I don't want to mess with them anymore. Again? Are they really doubting me again? Are they really complaining again? We forget. Has God not been good in your life? Has there not been times in your life where you did not think God was going to come through, but He came through anyway? I mean, has there not been times in your life? I mean, the fact that you're here today, I bet just about every one of us that are sitting here today, at one point or the other, the devil has told us you're not going to make it. You're done. You're through. You're out of this thing. But here you sit. How do you laugh? Because of the grace of God. Because He seeks us. He comes after us. He comes and joins Himself to us. And here they are walking along with the Lord of glory. And they don't even recognize it. And boy, if that doesn't describe us sometimes, I don't know what does. We're walking along. And I'm telling you, the Prince of Glory is walking right along with us. He seeks you out. He cares about you. He's touched with the feeling of your infirmities. He didn't come to them because He did not look down from heaven and say, Oh man, look at those awesome guys. Look at their faith. Look, look at their belief in my resurrection and my promise. I'm going to go join myself with them. No, He looked down at a people that was discouraged and disappointed. Complaining a little bit. Doubting. 
But He came to them to comfort them, to help them, to lift them up. So He sought them. And He caught them. Amen? He caught them. But I want to say, what else about He caught them is this. Uh, they were down in their heart while Jesus was walking down the road. Psalm 34 verse 18 said, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. So He came and He challenged them. He sought them, but He came to console them. I like what the Bible says in Psalm 121 verse 1, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. The Lord that made heaven and earth. And so we can look to Him. So He sought them. He caught them. And I'm so glad, listen, that the Lord's not lost one of His. you know that's what Jesus said? He said, behold, I'm not going to lose one of my sheep. I'm bringing every one of my sheep home safely. Yeah. And one of the great, great things about him being such a good shepherd and a great shepherd and the chief shepherd is this. That as sheep, if you know anything about sheep, sheep are prone to wander. Sheep like to wander off. Sheep like to try to get themselves in precarious situations. And I'm telling you, that's how we are oftentimes. Uh, sheep, sheep, sheep don't spend a whole lot of time looking up and observing the situation and getting the lay of the land. No, they just kind of keep their head down and go as they are. And that's how we can be sometimes. And that's kind of how they were. But I'm glad there's a good shepherd that seeks us. He, will, he sought them and He called them. Amen. He seeks us and He gets us. He comes and He gets a hold of our heart and He helps us. So He, he sought them. He, he uh, taught them. I'm sorry, that's my next one. He, he taught them. He caught them and He taught them. Verse 27, and this is what I really want to emphasize this morning is this. He taught them something. Because... It's important that we learn the lesson that He's going to give right here. And this is the message that I really want to give to you. How we keep our hearts burning for the Lord. Because there are times of doubt. There are times of discouragement. Uh, going forward, we are going to continue to fight battles. And I'm telling you, I hope that you took heed as we preached last week. It's amazing, isn't it? I begin to talk about the spiritual warfare. And sometimes how that spiritual warfare can increase as we... Gain more territory for God. Don't think it's strange. Don't be caught off guard. And I'm telling you, don't let yourself be the... Uh, we, we often are the weak. We are all weak in a sense. But don't let yourself be the one that, that, that lets down your guard and allows Satan to get in. Because I'm telling you, he's trying to get in through every man, woman, boy, and girl in here. He's trying to get us down. He's, try, he's trying to tell you that you don't matter. He's trying to tell you that this church will go on without you. This church doesn't need you. God doesn't need you. He's trying to get all these things in your mind. I mean, listen, he's playing games. But I'm telling you, what we've got to do is stand on the Word of God. And what we've got to do is learn. I believe if we can just learn what the Lord taught His disciples on the road to Emmaus, we can keep our hearts burning for them. What was it that He, caught them, or what he taught them once He caught them? Verse 27, the Bible says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. What I wouldn't give to be in that conversation. What I wouldn't give to walk those seven and a half miles with the Lord and hearing Him tell about this. Because, it's see, the thing you've got to understand about the wonderful, blessed Word of God is when we came in here earlier today, we all opened up and we turned to a hymn book. 
But when it comes preaching time, we open another hymn book. But this is a H-I-M book, and it helps if you're Southern and you say hymn instead of hymn or however y'all say it. But it's a hymn book. It's about Him, amen. It's about the Lord. I mean, from Genesis right on through to Revelation. I mean, Jesus. Folks, when you, when you begin to study the Bible, when you begin to read the Bible, and you're looking for Jesus in there, folks, it'll open up the Bible for you. He's in there. Folks, it did not say that Jesus went and picked out some verses along the way that spoke of Him. No, what He's saying is that Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, right on through, speak of Him. And so what He's trying to do is point them to Himself. He's trying to open the... So He opens the Scriptures to them. And then He opens their eyes. See, because it's one thing, and how many of you know this? Sometimes you can open up the Scriptures, but your eyes aren't necessarily open. But He opened up the Scriptures and He opened up their eyes. He was trying to show them something. He was trying to teach them a very important lesson. It's really uh, interesting there in verse 16. Did you catch that as we read it? It says, but their eyes were a holden that they should not know Him. So this doesn't mean... That it was, I don't believe it means that it was necessarily their fault that they couldn't see the Lord. I believe that somehow and for some reason, and I think we'll see the reason in a moment, the Lord did not allow them to recognize Him as He walked, as he walked with them. You say, well, why would the Lord do that? Why would the Lord ever do something like that? Because He was trying to teach them an important lesson. Now, it would have been great for them if they're walking on that road and then just a bright light shines out of heaven and the angels start singing and then here comes a bright and shiny Jesus right there. Woo! He is alive! He did resurrect. But God didn't do it that way. You know how God did it? He said, you know what? I'm going to come talk. I'm going to come along them just as a normal guy. They'll never know the difference. I'm not going to allow them to recognize me, but I'm going to teach them something. So He taught them something. He taught them a very important lesson. And here's basically what He taught them. The Bible says He turned to the Scriptures. He turned to the Word of God because you know why? For, for three and a half years, they had had Jesus as a teacher. For three and a half years, they were able to see Him, talk to Him, touch Him. But He's about to ascend to heaven. And of course, we've mentioned it before, but for uh, 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus stayed on this earth ministering. 40 days after the resurrection. But after that, He went back to heaven. And folks, He has not come back since. Now, He sent the Comforter to each of us, but He is coming again, let me tell you. Amen. That's a whole other message. But in the meantime, listen, we're not, we don't see Him today. So he, and they weren't going to see Him. So you know what He was trying to tell them? You need to learn to have confidence in My Word. You need to learn to base your life off of My Word. You need to learn to rely on the Word of God. He wanted them to be prepared to live and be successful even if they could not see Him physically. And let me tell you something today. He wants us to be successful and victorious even when we don't see Him or feel Him. Even when we don't understand we think it would be great if we could just walk around all the time with goosebumps, hair standing on end, uh, this happy, happy feeling that we just can't shake. Uh, that was weird. <laughs> but that's what we think. But God knows better. Because the life of faith is not a life of feeling. Hey, I love it when we feel great. 
I love it when you, you can just feel the excitement. I love it when you can feel the presence of the Spirit of God working. I love that. But guess what? It's not always that way. And so what we've got to learn to do is just trust in the Word of God. Believe in the Word of God. And what he was trying to do is he was trying to direct his disciples to the Word of God. This is your confidence. And it's the you know what the Bible says? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So if you don't learn through life to keep on going and to keep on praising Him, to keep on uh, looking to Him, even when things are tough, even when things don't feel good. I mean, listen, if, if we only serve God when we felt like it, you know, it would be a lot like if we only worked when we felt like it. Right? Or if we only did responsible things when we felt like it, we would never do those things. Uh, and that's that's one reason why that's one reason why I go back to this. I always I can remember uh, out years ago we were out inviting people to church, and uh, I was just a new Christian, and I can remember uh, the, the the man that we I'd go visiting with. His name was Ed Lefford, and man, Ed was just, he had a great heart for the Lord. He had a great heart for people, but he was very bold, and sometimes he could cross over into brash and a little bit obnoxious, a little bit. But I can remember Ed, and he said, uh, we come knock to the door, and, and, and the person come to the door and said, uh, yo, well, I used to go to church. You know, but my mom made me go to church, so I don't go to church anymore. Ed looked at him, and Ed, Ed along with his personality, had a voice like this. He said, did your mom make you brush your teeth and take a bath? And the point that he was trying to make is, well, I don't brush my teeth anymore because my mama made me brush my teeth when I was a kid. You know, my, my mama made me take a bath. That's why I haven't taken one in years. It's like, no. Uh, but but, but the, the, the point that I'm trying to make is this, that we've got to learn. We don't just do what we do because we feel like it, because we don't always have those feelings. And so... How can we keep our hearts burning? And here it is. What he did is he literally pointed them to himself. He said, you just need to keep your eyes on me. Don't look around and say, well, this is weird. This is different. Oh, man. Uh, don't, don't sit there thinking, oh, no, we've lost it. We're not in our small space. It's gone. We're never going to have that same spirit. We're never going to. I mean, No. Just keep your eyes on Him. Because remember, it's not about some building. It's not about the size of the building or the makeup of the building or the layout of the building. Folks, it's not about us. It's about Him. And that's why He's trying to show them. He's pointing them to Himself. See, He's saying throughout the Word of God, you need to look to Me. The Bible says in John 5.39, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And here's what He says, These are they which testify of Me. In other words, the Scriptures testify of me. Throughout the Bible, you see Jesus. He's there in prophecy. He's there in precept. He's there in parable. He's there in poetry. Folks, Jesus is the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe and the manager of all time. He always was. He always is. He always will be. Our God is unmoved, unchanged. Our God is undefeated. Our Lord Jesus was bruised and it brought healing. He was pierced and it eases pain. He was persecuted, but it brought freedom to us. He was dead and brought life. 
He's risen and brings power. He reigns and He brings peace. Throughout the Old Testament alone, there's, some, there's well over 300 specific prophecies about Jesus Christ. And what He's trying to say, the way you can keep your heart burning is keep your eyes on Me. Just keep looking to me. Just keep loving me. Throughout the Bible, we see it. You know, and throughout, I, I don't know what Jesus said through when he had this conversation with them, but I want to share with you a couple of things here uh, throughout the Bible. In Genesis, we see that Jesus is Isaac's substitutionary sacrifice because the Lord will provide himself a lamb. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. In the book of Exodus, he's pictured as the Passover lamb. In the book of Leviticus, he's the priest. He's the lamb of sacrifice. In the book of Numbers, he's a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In the book of Deuteronomy, Jesus is the prophet like Moses. In the book of Joshua, He's the captain of our salvation. And praise God, it's not about us or Him being on our side, it's about us getting on His side. In the book of Ruth, He's our Redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, He's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, He's our reigning king. In Ezra, He's our restorer. In Nehemiah, He's the rebuilder of the broken down walls. In Esther, He's our advocate. Uh, in Job, He's our ever-living Redeemer. In Psalms, He's our shepherd. In Proverbs, He's our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, He's our, the hope of our resurrection. In the Song of Solomon, He's the loving bridegroom. In Isaiah, Jesus is the suffering servant. In Jeremiah, He is the faithful message. In Lamentations, He's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, He's the one with the right to rule. In Daniel, Jesus is the fourth man in the fiery furnace. Amen. He's a stone cut out without hands. Uh, and by the way, there in Daniel, there was three men went in that fire and three men came out of that fire. But the fourth one never came out of the fire. You know why? Because he's still there when you go through your fire. And when you go through your time, he will be there. In Hosea, he's the Redeemer. In Joel, He's the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. In Amos, He's the restorer of justice. In Obadiah, He's mighty to save. In Jonah, He's the rescue from judgment. In Micah, He's the good news. In Nahum, He's the stronghold in the day of trouble. In Habakkuk, He is God my Savior. In Zephaniah, He's the King of Israel. In Haggai, He's the signet ring. In Zechariah, He's the king riding on a colt. In Malachi, He's the Son of Righteousness risen with healing in His wings. Uh, in, uh, in Matthew, He's God with us, the Son of David, the King. In Mark, He's the faithful servant. In Luke, He's the Son of Man. In John, He's the bread of life, the Lamb, and the Shepherd. In Acts, He's the Savior of the world. In Romans, He's the righteousness of God. In 1 Corinthians, He's the resurrection. In 2 Corinthians, He's the God of all comfort. In Galatians, He is liberty. He's the one who sets us free. In Ephesians, He's the head of the church. In Philippians, He's our joy. In Colossians, He's our completeness. In First, Thess First and Second Thessalonians, He's our hope. In First Timothy, He's our faith. In Second Timothy, He's our stability. In Titus, He's our truth. In Philemon, He's the benefactor. In Hebrews, He's the great high priest. In James, He's the power behind our faith. In 1 Peter, He's our example. 
In 2 Peter, He's our purity. In 1 John, He's our life. In 2 John, He's our pattern. In 3 John, He's our motivation. In Jude, He's the foundation of our faith. In Revelation, He's the coming and reigning and conquering King. That's my Lord. That's the Lord Jesus Christ that you serve. He's there from Genesis to Revelation. Folks, we need to keep our eyes on Him. We need to keep magnifying Him. You say, I don't feel like it. Doesn't matter. Amen. When you start doing it sometimes you start feeling like it he deserves the glory why are we doing what we do here what is the motivation for this church i'll tell you what it is it's about him amen I mean, it's about lifting Him up. I mean, He is who we need. He is who our family needs. Our family don't need religion. I mean, He is the one our family needs. Our friends need Him. Our neighbors need Him. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know. Some people are scared to share Christ and share their faith because they feel like I don't know that much. Folks, you know, it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. Do you know Him? Amen. And if you know Him, share Him. Be excited about Him. Tell someone about His glory. Tell someone about what He's done in your life. Uh, he's the one. He Listen, for Elk Point Baptist Church, He is our means. How are we going to be able to do this? How are we going to be able to accomplish this, that, and this? It's not because of all of our uh, own brain power or something that we can do. Folks, He's our means. He's our strength. He's how we will do whatever it is that we do by the grace of God. He's our message. You go look in the book of Acts and you'll find out that they just, he just preached Jesus. Amen? And by the way, that ties into what Kurt was teaching in Sunday school. One of the ways they preached Jesus is they showed it through their actions and through their love. And, but, but they preached Jesus. Listen, He is our means. He is our message. He is the very heart of our ministry. It's not about me getting my way or you getting your way. It's about Him getting His way. Amen? It's about Him getting the glory. It's all about Him. Folks, throughout the Word of God, we see it. He is. And this is something Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge years ago once said famously. He said that He is the King of the Jews. He's the King of Israel. He's the King of righteousness. He's the King of ages. He's the King of heaven. He's the King of glory. He's the King of kings and he's the lord of lords he's a sovereign king no means of measure can define his limitless love he's enduringly strong he's entirely sincere he's eternally steadfast he's immortally graceful he's imperially powerful he's impartially merciful he's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of the world He's God's Son. He's the center Savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient Savior. He supplies strength to the weak. 
He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and He saves. He strengthens and He sustains. He guards and He guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Folks, this God of ours is awesome. Amen. This is our Savior. He's our means. He's our message. Amen. He's our motive. It's about Him. It's keeping our eyes on Him. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His Word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. I wish I could describe Him to you. But He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get Him off of your mind. You can't get Him off your hand. You can't outlive Him. And you can't live without Him. The Pharisees couldn't stand Him. But they found out they couldn't stop Him. Pilate couldn't find any fault against Him. Herod couldn't kill Him. Death couldn't handle Him. And the grave couldn't hold Him. Amen? That's our Savior. That's the one. Amen? That's the one it's about. How do we keep our hearts burning? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about even the blessings that we have. It's about this great Savior of ours. And the more we know Him and the more we look to Him, boy, the more our hearts can burn. Because whether we feel it or not, whether it's an emotional sense or not, I'll tell you something that it is. It is the truth. And, and, and I may feel down and I may be walking along that road uh, just like the disciples have been discouraged and doubting. Don't we have those times? But the truth I know is this. He's walking beside me. Amen. Whether I realize it or not. So you know what I might as well do? I might as well just praise Him. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I might as well just say hallelujah. Amen. When I, when I carry that heavy burden, I might as well just say, Lord, I know you're going to help me with this burden. I don't feel it. I don't see it. But I know in your words. And he pointed them to the word. I know that you care. You love me. What do you look at if you ever, have to, if you ever start to question the love of Almighty God? Look at the cross. That was for you. Look at the cross. Look at the resurrection of Christ. So therefore, I, I can say this. I don't understand this, but one thing I do know is that this Jesus loves me. Amen? Jesus loves me. This I know. Amen? Because the Bible tells me. So that's pretty good theology, isn't it? He loves me. Well, I don't really feel very loved. Hey, when I fail, when I yield to temptation, when I have my days of weakness and a failure... There's a great merciful God that loves me and will forgive me. I mean, listen, His love. I can't question His love because I know He loves me. I can't question His power because He's all-powerful. I can't question His wisdom because He's all-wise. So what do I do? I just say, Lord, I don't understand, but I think I'm just going to turn my eyes on You and I think I'm just going to keep serving. I think I'm just going to keep working. I think I'm just going to keep living and praising because of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Not because of circumstances, not because of buildings, not because of anything else, but because of You, dear Lord. And amen. How to keep our hearts burning? Man, is to look to Him. Look in the Scripture. Look to Him. Let God build our faith in that way. Let's all stand, please, as Sonia comes to play on the piano.
Oh, child of God. And again, the challenge to Elk Point Baptist Church is this. Always remember, He is the means of this church. And remember, this church is us. He's the message of this church and He's the ministry and the motive of this church. It's the Lord. It's all about Him. He cares for you. Times may be difficult because they do get difficult. But I'm telling you, God is faithful. Amen. God is faithful. You know, today, maybe you don't know Him. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. And if you're like that today, I would like to invite you to trust Christ as your Savior. See, the Bible says, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Let me tell you something. Jesus came a long way from heaven to this earth to die on the cross. Jesus came a long way in working through other through churches and Christians throughout the years to bring the gospel really close to you, to bring the gift of salvation right to your feet. And all you must simply do is accept that gift of salvation. I'm glad you don't have to jump through a bunch of religious hoops and loops and bars and whatever else and play some kind of spiritual limbo and whatever. I'm so glad that God has brought it right to us. He says, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's His promise. And if you don't know the Lord today, you can call on Him today and be saved. And be saved for eternity. The child of God, keep, let, let your heart keep burning. Don't get distracted. Don't get discouraged. I mean, we do. But don't stay that way. Don't stay that way. Refocus your vision. Think about His goodness. Bless His holy name. He's a great, great God. Lord, I thank you so much, dear Lord, for the great, great privilege to be able to stand up here and proclaim your word. I thank you, God, for ordaining this place, God, to where we can honor you, preach your word, see a difference made in the lives of so many. Lord, bless every heart here, God. Help this church, God, to keep the message going. Keep the motive right, the message right. The ministry right, dear Lord. May we do all that we do to glorify your precious name. And if there's anybody here today that's not saved, God, I pray that you'd help them right now from their hearts to call on you. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Please come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. And I'm so glad that the Lord will save if someone can, from their heart, call on you, Lord. So bless in that, Lord, we pray and we'll thank you.